Welcome to FAIR Podcasts. On this episode, we're breaking down important immigration issues and examining each component. Right here on FAIR Podcasts, issue analysis. Let's start the show. Welcome to this edition of The Blue View. My name is Sherry Rendell, and I'm the Director of State and Local at FAIR. And I'm joined in studio today with Bob Najmolski, the Law Enforcement Relations Manager at FAIR, and Sheriff Tom Hodgson from Bristol County, Massachusetts. Welcome. It's great to be here. Thank you. Yes, thank you, uh, Sheriff Hodgson. Uh, he's in his fourth term, 20 years as Sheriff of Bristol County, Massachusetts. The sheriff also sits on the uh, National Sheriff's Association Immigration and Border Security Committee and the Homeland Security Committee. And proud to say he's got many, many frequent flyer miles racked up on the Fox News Network. You could be sure to catch him there several times a month. Sheriff, welcome aboard. Uh, thanks for having me. It's great to be here. Now, um, I just want to get this one out of the way real quick because um, as I travel around the country and talk to sheriffs around the country, we talk about illegal immigration. I've been up in your region. I've been to New England many times. And I've had sheriffs up in uh, Maine, New Hampshire, uh, maybe even one or two in Massachusetts that say, you know, that border is far away from here. Illegal immigration doesn't impact my county or my state. What do you say to that? Well, that's not true. Um, I, I, what I would tell you is every every state's become a border state at this point. Um, efforts on the part of the previous administration, the Obama administration, to uh, lax the the, um, the entry into our country with DACA and um, and um, really pushing the, the Border Patrol back 10 miles into the interior really gave a, a, a buffer zone for individuals to get in here a lot easier. The, at that time, they were shipping people to all parts of the country by air uh, at the expense of the taxpayer, people that were coming over these these uh, uh, undocumented uh, children that were coming in, being led by cartel, uh, excuse me, by coyotes from the drug cartels on a thousand mile trek to the border and then getting them in here and then under the policies of the previous administration, they would ship them all over the country. And so uh, our schools are being impacted uh, in, in the northern part of Massachusetts up in Lynn. Uh, the mayor spoke about the fact that she had so many illegals in the school that they had to build a new school and they had to cut into the DPW budget to be able to finish out the year. So for anyone that, that suggests that, that uh, we're not being um, uh, looked at as border, we may not be actually geographically on the border, but I can assure you our impacts are very much the same as those who are on the border. Well, that's kind of a hard thing to hear when you know the cost to the localities and to the state. You've been an outspoken critic of sanctuary cities. What would your message be to sanctuary jurisdictions? To immediately cease and desist the, the idea that you would provide sanctuary or cover and conceal, concealment for people who are here illegally. Uh, it's no secret that, and we know this in law enforcement, when you're thinking about a place that you want to go and carry out, for example, the terrorists who who are on our soil or looking to come here to carry out an act, they're going to go to a place where they're going to be least likely noticed uh, while they plot and plan their attack on on a community or communities. And sanctuary cities and towns and so forth actually provide that concealment and that cover. And since when in America did government 
people in government think it was okay after they took an oath to do the most fundamentally important thing that government does, which is protect the citizens, the safety of the citizens and the legal residents of those communities. Since when did any elected official think that it was okay for them to pick and choose and decide how much of, a, of the federal law they w will or will not uh, enforce? And, and, and to outwardly give preference to people who they know are here illegally and saying, we have to change our attitudes about people that don't belong here and allow them to come out of the shadows and, and expect that they can just go around with no consequences for their decisions undermines the law. It undermines law enforcement. It also, under the sanctuary policies, uh, doesn't allow us to coordinate with our federal partners uh, to put our best foot forward and have the maximum um, uh, ability to be able to identify people who are a threat to the community. When you, when you, when you think about what happened after 9-11, the one thing that we learned that was so critically important for this nation was that we learned we had, we, we in law enforcement needed to do a better job sharing information about, with one another. People were in their own sort of uh, silos and information wasn't passed along. At this point, we ought, to, we ought to be looking to strengthen partnerships, not break them down, which is what sanctuaries do. Uh, they say you cannot report to the to the, the local law enforcement people that this person's illegal. Well, you know the Zarnea brothers; uh, those are two individuals that, if somebody had identified that in fact they were, I mean they were here initially on on a proper status, but then they they violated that, so they technically weren't really legal. If somebody was able to intercede early on with that, maybe we wouldn't have seen the Boston Marathon bombing. If people uh, you know, the, the hijackers from 9-11. You know, the problem is we don't know the people who are illegally settling in these sanctuaries, they may not have committed any crime. And that's another argument we always hear. But the problem is neither did the hijackers until they carried it out and killed almost 3,000 people. So you don't know what you don't know. And so that's why, it's, that's why we have these laws. That's why we need these laws to be able to protect the citizens of our community from anyone who potentially may be thinking about doing something to harm someone. This is one of my new favorite questions that um, I ask sheriffs now, because now that illegal immigration, open borders, amnesty, I mean, it's all frontline news now. It's, it's, you turn on the news and it's right there. Um, when it, sheriffs are now, because it is such an important topic and it's so out front, very few fence sitters I'm seeing anymore people that are undecided. You either have sheriffs that are for strong enforcement, you have sheriffs that take the opposite opinion of what you have. It's polarizing the sheriffs across the United States, and unfortunately, in my opinion, um, some sheriffs take the opposite stance of you. What is your message to the sheriffs as a peer group on this issue and their, their role in this? I've been very um, concerned and outspoken with the sheriffs of this nation. Um, we're the most trusted office elected office in the nation. People expect when we make that promise, when we take that oath to them, that we will enforce the laws, equitably apply them, and that um, we'll do everything we possibly can to maximize our resources to keep them safe. I don't know how anyone, a sheriff or anyone in law enforcement, can take the oath and then say, I don't necessarily have a problem with sanctuary status. 
that that frankly gets you to a crossroads where under Title Eight, Section thirteen twenty four, you're committing a felony. You're committing a felony because under thirteen twenty four, it clearly says that anyone who attempts attempts to harbor or conceal someone they know to be in the country illegally commits a felony under federal law. If you're saying that you're intentionally going to not enforce laws, that you're going to sort of allow the sanctuary status and, and not cooperate with your federal partners to enforce that federal law, then I think you've crossed the line where you're basically providing these people cover. Releasing people back out into the communities. We saw it with Kat, uh, Kate Steinle, okay, a guy who never should have been out, been deported several times, and was released from jail. And we've seen others that have been released. We owe it to the people who gave us the privilege and the honor to serve, to uphold that promise, to uphold that oath, and do what's right. If people don't like the laws, whether you're in law enforcement or not, change them. Wait till the legislature does a process. But because because you're, you you Congress moves slowly and doesn't do it within a time frame you might like. Well, that's the process. It's not only about illegal immigrants, though. We also have to look to national security. What efforts as a sheriff are you taking to protect the public safety in your community? I developed the Homeland Security Task Force, um, actually before 9-11 even happened. And um, the, the important thing around immigration and national security, it, that, that component is very important in this process of creating reform. If you don't secure those borders, if you don't have the, the interior enforcement um, mechanisms in place, biometrics, those kinds of things, you're destined to have more and more terrorist attacks. So this isn't just about our own domestic security. We know that terrorists, have we've had some caught at the border, but we also know that they know our system in this country better than a lot of Americans do. Uh, in New York, uh, right around 9-11, they did a raid on a, on a convenience store, and they found the blueprints to almost every single federal building in the back of that store. They knew that if they bid on jobs, they could access the blueprints. They created dummy companies, and that's how they got them. They also know about our border issues, and they know that it's porous on our borders. They just connect with the cartels who have their own little gig with hum- human trafficking, sex trafficking, and the drug trade. They connect with them, and they get them in with their mules into our country. So this is, this is, this is not just about domestic security. This is about national security. Fantastic. And just uh, to kind of wrap it up here, and boy, I, I, what, I could listen to this for hours with you. And uh, Sherry's going to tell us in a little while how you, how you all can connect with us to, to get more information. But just to put a wrap up here, um, I've been to your facility. Um, you have a, a federal immigration detention center on, on site in 287G. Um, can you just you know, put something out about that and what, what you sure. got going on there? About eight years ago, um, I decided to build an immigration detention facility. Uh, with no state money, uh, I did it based on the fact that the immigration problem was growing and growing, and that I knew that, number one, we needed to have a regional facility, otherwise taxpayers are going to be pl- paying money to ship people from our region to Texas and other places, costing taxpayers more money, 
creating greater risk. So I built this facility, and um, I had a phase two ready to go, but the state started uh, taking the federal money uh, that we were bringing in for, for the housing of these individuals. But uh, we do um, not only the housing, but we also do most of the transportation for that region. We bus, we have um, two big buses that are Homeland Security buses that remain on our property, and we transport uh, these detainees once they go through the court and they're ordered deported. We ship them down to New York, get them on the, on the uh, tarmac, on the plane, and out they go, a- and as it should be. The 287G program is a really critical program for, for, for our nation. We obviously, again, talk about taxpayer dollars. The federal government can't hire the numbers of people that they really ultimately would need, nor should they, when we're talking about how we, we manage our, our taxpayer money. We become force multipliers when, when we become a 287G agency because our people are trained. They're sent to Georgia. Uh, I sent six down uh, last summer to be certified as ICE officers. They work in our facility. When people are arrested on the street, they come in. If they self-identify as being foreign-born, these individuals will immediately conduct interviews. They're trained to do certain types of interviews. Once they determine that any one of these individuals is uh, um, someone that should be um, at least further into the process with ICE, they notify the the ICE uh, supervisor. And then the ICE supervisor authorizes a warrant, and we hold them. So to dispel this myth that you know, it's turning uh, turning your people into immigration officers and racial profilers, these, these are people that are being brought in on state and local arrest charges that your folks are trained to identify. Correct. We're not going out in the streets, knocking on doors, and trying to find out people who are illegal. And, um, and this notion that, that somehow, well, your officers are paid by the state. Well, so are my officers that are assigned full-time to the FBI, ter- the FBI Terrorism Task Force, assigned to the DEA Task Force, assigned to um, Homeland Security Investigation Task Force. Um, I remember asking a state representative who was trying to prevent us from having 287G uh, and doing these, this, this part of the, the process. And I asked them, well, why is it that it's okay for us to use our individuals for these other federal agencies, but you don't want our people to be doing the same thing with one particular federal agency. And his answer was, well, those others were established a long time ago, which is a non-answer. And the other part of it was, um, he said, besides ICE isn't a law enforcement agency. And this is the problem. When somebody like this particular state rep does something like that, and you ask those kinds of questions and you get those kinds of answers, it really reveals that their decisions to try to prevent something aren't based on the interests of the people they're supposed to represent as well and their safety. It's about their politics. Well, we really, really appreciate your time today. Thank you for joining us on The Blue View. And for more information about FAIR, please visit www.fairus.org. That's all for this episode of FAIR Podcasts. Be sure to click the subscribe button and head over to fairus.org to contact us through email or Twitter at FAIR Immigration to keep you up to date on the latest immigration update and reports. That's fairus.org.